0: This is a stand up New York Labs production, providing you podcasts since 2013.
1: Hey, everybody, Raylan Casper White here. This week's episode of X Ray brought to you by St. Petersburg House of Discreet Pleasure. If you're lonely and horny and your spouse has gotten unattractively plump, the lovely ladies and gentlemen at St. Petersburg House of Discreet Pleasure can service all your primal needs in a friendly burgundy velvet environment. All staff are screened regularly for STDs and bipolar disorder. I personally use these guys' services, and they are fantastic. They are mostly angry and Russian and give you just enough shit to make you feel like you're worthless and be turned on at the same time. Go to sphdp.ru and mention the code X-ray for a free condom and borscht-flavored lube. Okay, let's start the show. Hey, everybody. Raylan Casper-White here. Very excited for my guest. This is the first time I've had a a, a Tony winner on the show. Uh, this is Itamar Moses. Hi, Itamar. Hi. Uh, now that is a. Are you related to Robert
0: Moses? Not that I'm aware of. I don't think so. Uh, was he Jewish?
1: Because uh, I feel like Moses, you're kind of, you know what I mean? It's a little fucked up if you're not Jewish.
0: Yeah, I think he was, but Pro- I don't think okay. He was a
1: bad man, so I'm trying to hopefully he's not... You know, let's make him Episcopalian or yeah, something. Yeah,
0: but at that time, my family was still... When was he active in New York? And I don't from, know. This I is why like ignorance was, comes. I into feel play. like he, I read the Power Broker over like the two and a half years it took me to read it, mm-hmm. and I think I feel like he was active for like the whole 20, like like nineteen fifteen to nineteen seventy or something. Right, but he anyway. was
1: active for, like the entire history of New York. Exactly. Like when Ken Burns does a documentary, it starts with Robert Moses in fourteen oh two.
0: But no, the 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 Moses name comes into my family uh, in you know eastern europe okay uh, while it's contemporaneously with robert moses already being here
1: already building projects (laughs) in the bronx
0: yeah
1: uh so itamar you are a playwright Mm -hmm. and you're also a a writer on the affair which excites me i'm just getting aroused (laughs) just saying just saying the title that is the sexiest show on tell in a very uncomfortable way it's like we kill people but we fuck we have marital problems but we fuck like there's fucking interspersed through every event
0: Yes, yeah, which is
1: great. Is that fun to write? When you write that stuff, do you write in detail? Like, he, you know what I mean? How detailed do <laughs> you get when you write the sexual well, intercourse
0: scenes? Well, to clarify, I'm I'm a recent addition to the writing staff mm. of the affair. I I didn't work on the first three seasons at all. Okay, um, and then I just came in on season four to write one episode. So I, I was uh, on a freelance basis. So I was uh, I was in the writers' room for like two weeks while we while we uh, while we broke story for that episode, and then I and then I wrote it. And now I'm on staff a little bit more. A little bit more extensively for season five.
1: Now, when you say does that mean they don't pay you as much as they pay the other writers? They kind of – they don't give you health care? What does it, that mean?
0: It means that – yeah, it means that you're not sort of uh, – yeah, it means that you're not fully on staff. You're not contracted okay. to be in the writer's room for like a certain number of weeks where you have to be there. Okay, like okay. I just – I specifically came in to write that one episode. That That said – um and there was no and I I don't know if you saw episode it was a big episode 40. though yeah. that
1: was the crucial one right um,
0: and it did I guess it did have sex in it but it was off screen it was that's uh, no it was, what's the point it, of it, that it it's a, a waste of my time having sex in the next room right right um, right but uh. wait this uh, is the
1: one where they discover that Allison is dead right
0: spoiler alert yes well yeah. if you haven't
1: watched it till now get a fucking light <laughs> I mean please you know yes. um so okay so you wrote that one so they brought you in they said this is a heavy this is a big episode now with the yeah. other writers like why the fuck are they bringing this outside. Nice white Jewish playwright in to write one
0: episode that's important. Probably. Um, the, the, uh, the showrunner, the creator of the show and the showrunner, Sarah Treem, um, is an old friend of mine. Oh, okay. Uh, it's and, called Connections. Yeah, Thank well, you. so we go way back. Yeah, it's nothing, and, like, okay. Yeah, and, um, and, uh, and so, you know, we, we had, we had talked for years about me coming to do some work on the show, and then actually, I think it was less about, um the fact that it's the episode where they discover that Allison is dead and more about the bulk of the rest of the episode, which is a road trip uh, with the two sort of main dudes. male kids. Yeah, And I think that Sarah felt like that – Knowing my work and my plays and Sarah felt like that was sort of in my wheelhouse. So okay. I think it was about
1: that. I mean, first of all, it's a phenomenal episode. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I watch every you know now yeah, I did I did binge that no you can't binge. I had to wait every week because yeah, Hulu's fuck nuts at Hulu. Oh. They make you wait.
0: <laughs> Not because it was too emotional, but because you uh... No,
1: I mean look, I'm a dark, dark soul. Uh-huh. Um
0: and it's like, know, with hand, like with *Handmaid's Tale*. I can't binge it. I have to. No, like,
1: you have to fucking wait. I
0: to, well, I have to take a break. Just oh, for my because own it's so dark. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you can't. I don't think you can binge it either, though. Don't they release it on a, now? They're changing they, it, maybe. But I think they just wait.
0: That's good. It's good for people's um, psychological health.
1: Yeah, maybe. that's true. no. It is. It, it was at some point. It's like a Lars Von Trier movie, like *Breaking the Waves*. you are like, this is just this is just torture porn, right? <laughs> I mean, right. it really is. It's like, okay, are they going to kill? Okay, <laughs> so let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, so they kill her Uh-huh. now. This was frustrating because the problem is I read all the the bullshit around it. Like she uh-huh. wanted to leave the show, and they decided to kill her. Like right. it wasn't a character thing; it was a lazy. Like, how do you feel? What can you diplomatically say? Because you want to keep your job well, on the show next season.
0: Luckily, all of those conversations happen like way above my pay grade, so okay. I actually have no. They just
1: said you have to. She has to die.
0: Yeah, I was okay. I was involved on a story level, but like I don't I don't have I'm I'm not. Even close to the the inner circle of of that side of the business aspect of of the show. Okay. Um, so you
1: just what do they tell you? You come in. You obviously did you have did you watch the whole show before you came on, or did you have to watch yeah. the shit? They want me. Let me watch it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. I,
1: I, You're like I Sarah. Had, I love this show. Never yeah, fucking see it. Exactly. I do
0: make that. I do have a running joke with her that I've never watched the show. Okay. Um, good. But it's not true. I actually was watching it from the beginning initially okay. to yeah, yeah, um, yeah. to support my friend, and then I got into it. Um, and uh, uh, so no, I just had to bring myself up to speed on their, the internal conversations they had had up to that point about what was going to happen in season four. Like, they gave me a pile of notes from the writer's room. Um, but I had, I was up to date on the show. Okay. I, one say. would hope. it go, oh, yeah. she black?
1: You're like, okay, no. <laughs>
0: um,
1: now, in terms of how much say do you have? Because it seems like a nightmare to have to break story with another, what, five or ten people in a room. It's like too many cooks in the kitchen, isn't it?
0: It depends. I mean, uh, I think I – first of all, I think yes. I think there's a number of people that's optimum. I think ten is too many. It's too much. But five, but five is it's good. Like okay. four, five, six is good. There's a point where it actually starts to slow you down. Of course. Because you're
1: like, I, I, my ideas are just as good. I'm only compromising because the three writers want me
0: to. Yeah. It's like a bell curve where there's some peak amount that's probably around five or six people. Okay. Where – um. Where also the room has to be run well. That's the other thing. And that's the show runner. Yes, exactly. So, so. The only reason that um, a group of writers is theoretically potentially better than one writer on their own is is you can, the collective group mind can be very smart and you can all get on sort of a role. And okay. you feel the role when it arrives in the room. It's sort of like larger than all of you and you all get excited about it and, and start following the role. Um, so the room has to be run by somebody who can identify that and go with it. Okay. Um, I, my experience, I've been in a few different writers' rooms, and my experience is that it works best. Um, weirdly it works best when it's as unhierarchical as possible so
1: everybody can chime in without exactly. being judged
0: there is there is someone in charge who then has to be able to say okay we've made our decision right. this is what we're going to do we're moving on okay um and someone has to decide that at some point and so that's why you do need somebody in charge but up to that point i feel like it works best when um when there's an enormous amount of freedom and also egolessness which is sometimes a big ask that's, that's but, a lot of ask but but you want like a you know you really want the feeling to be everybody says like yeah best idea wins but there are some writers well, what is the best true. idea
1: really I mean you know there's for every character there's probably three options of what they could do or couldn't do right
0: right um the be, I mean one answer is the best idea is the one the show the, the show showrunner wants. picks yeah. Right, if she's, yeah but another answer is that like you can sort of if you're wrestling with something and you feel like the story's not working there comes a moment where somebody says something and everybody in the it room resonates. instinctively go like right. exhales right and is like oh right that's right, it right, why right. didn't See that before, and then you know.
1: So, let me ask you a question. Um, so obviously, with the the, the Allison death, at least that had had, didn't have to be argued, that was just like a given because she's like fuck it, I want to go do some weird, awkward British movies, right? They sure. take care in the countryside and the Highlands or whatever the fuck in Scotland. Yeah. Um, so she was already, she's she's dying. So we knew that.
0: They knew that before they began working on it And then was it your four. idea?
1: Who wrote the other episode with the split, like the, is it her imagination? That was Sarah. Was it,
0: that was the show. That was pretty that strong too. I thought that was um, a brilliant sort of twist. And
1: frustrating too. Yes. I mean, but a
0: brilliant twist on the show's conceit, right? Right. right, right like the like,
1: perspectives, it's yeah. like it's both her, like what? Yeah.
0: Using that against yes. itself, I thought was I
1: love of, her. I mean, people say, like, I love how quirky, it's like I've never met someone so quirky and fuckable at the same time. You huh. know what I mean, people used to call Russell Crowe ugly hot. Right. But she's not, she's beautiful, like ducky and sexy. But you know, even she talks about her. I read an interview that she did. She's like, I know how sexual I am. I'm like, okay, take it easy there, <laughs> Ruth Wilson. You know what I mean? I know I just emanate sex. I'm like, okay, okay, fair enough. But she, um, why do you think? Now I'm sure a lot of American actors are pissed off, but British actors get a lot of fucking work on American TV, right? Yes. Um and American actors they don't get cast when they're doing Harry Potter. They're not funneling in whatever Biff and Chad from Encino to do roles. Right. What is it about British actors <laughs> do you think makes them so powerful? I mean, what what is it?
0: I don't know. I mean, I know what all the standard answers are. Like, one, well, they're more trained. They do more theater. There, I mean, there is this sort of the. Tra- I mean, we're American actors are trained too. There's just a different. There's like a different tradition. I think that. I think that we're. I, I think it's still true that that in the arts in America in theater in particular around acting and writing and stuff, there's like this anglophilia where we look up to whatever the British are doing.
1: Shakespeare's from there, so they must know better. And
0: the reverse is not true. Like they don't, they don't sort of- Right,
1: they're like mammoth. They're like, okay. Yeah, exactly. So,
0: so, um, uh, but Harry Potter was a, is, was a British series of books that was filmed in England. But now
1: they're cast, you know, they cast (laughs) that show. What was that show with the two, the, the couple, the, the black and white couple, the, 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 you know, in the South. That was the first kind of interracial couple, Loving. Oh, Loving, Those oh, yeah. are two British. He's Australian and she's British, yeah. so come on.
0: The Australians, in a way, that's the, always the one that gets you, right? The, the Australians are the ones I'm always finding, like, who's this great new young American actor I've yeah, never yeah, seen before? They do a good accent, It turns, accent, out, it turns out they're Australian.
1: Sometimes the Brits overcompensate.
0: Did you watch... Um sharp objects?
1: No, I haven't yet. You know what? I guess cuz after all these dark shows, right. I need, you know, now it's a I watch one. like Portlandia, you know, but 4 so, hours a day.
0: So the 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 girl who plays um Amy Adams. Yeah, her daughter? Uh, no, her you, younger sister. Younger, right, okay. Yeah, she turns out to be Australian, which Those I didn't Aussies. know until actual, I was done watching the series and it sort of blew oh, my that's mind. that's interesting.
1: Yeah. I just wonder, because I, I, I think about that, I'm like, okay, great. So actors that are trained in the theater, yeah, they can memorize and they can replicate performances, but why does that mean more, like, because it, it can be more emotionally available on a their technique, they can tap into it or something, because I think that film acting is a whole other skill set. Yes. You know what I mean? And I don't know why people think, oh, he's... He's trained, you know, he or she is classically trained. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. But why, Do you know what I mean? Why does that make them a, just makes them more trained? Does it make them a better actor, do you think? Uh, Do you know what I mean? Do you get my question? Or am I making no sense what I'm talking about? I
0: do. No, no, no. I understand what you're saying. I don't know the answer. (laughs) Okay. I I was hoping you would. Well, I think that there is, um... I think there's no shortage of really serious, wonderfully trained, enormously gifted American actors. I right. Mean, there's yeah. no that. Yeah. Di- yeah. So, um, but I think I also think there is like, at least in Los Angeles, like a culture of waves of people showing up yeah. who are just kind of pretty. Right off the bus. No, and, of course you know, they're good for the have, CW and have abs, and they're yeah. like, I want to be. I want abs. I, yeah, and I think um, uh, so. So I think maybe there's there's like a, a, a you know
1: maybe more respect.
0: Yeah that that like the, the um the i i wonder if uh i don't know i mean there's it's hard not to sort of start running into 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 clichés or like stories yeah, that people yeah, have yeah. told before but but uh, but uh, yeah i don't know i don't know i think no, it's just i, I get just what, love i get the people Brits.
1: take it seriously like <laughs> i think that it's also in in england um, acting as a profession is highly respected. Right. When you're an actor, you're respected. Because also, maybe you did youth theater in Buckinghamshire or whatever, uh-huh, sure. Worcestershire, you know what yeah, I mean? Both of them. And then you were in the youth theater and the young Vic and the old Vic. And here, yeah, you're right, I grew up in Ohio. Yeah. I was prom queen and now I'm on a TV series yeah. making four million a week. So I, I get that. I get that. But it's still, you know, I love the, Br- I have no problem with them, you know. Yeah. I loved, uh, I loved what's his name? Uh, who sounds like Willem Dafoe. No, Dominic West yeah. I loved him in The Wire uh, great. you know sometimes the Brits though they do overcompensate with the accent a bit they, uh-huh. they overdo it like Rachel Y we- you know what I mean when the Rachel Weiss when they do it like yeah. I'm American like, mm-hmm. like okay take it easy uh, so now you're going to stay on as a freelancer for season five?
0: Well, now I'm a free. My title in season five is consulting producer, which basically you just. You stay mean, at home,
1: masturbate, and they ask you questions? Yes. Okay. It, it,
0: it's a sort of catch all term for someone who is on the writing staff, a producer level writer is okay. on the writing staff, but you're just, you don't have to, you're not there like completely full time. You don't have to, you're not there for the entire length of, of the writer's room. So I'm a little more involved and I'm going to write at least one more episode, maybe part of another. Um, but yeah, it's really fun. I, I I can say that the story for season five is very good.
1: Oh boy, I'm excited. Um, do you? About it. What's the ratio of men to women in the room?
0: That's a very good question, and it is the only writers' room I've ever been in that is majority female. Okay, uh, both last year and this year. Um, I think this year it's a little closer to 50-50. Um, uh, last year it was even more majority female, but it's but it's it's run by a woman, obviously, and then yeah. there are more women than men in the room. Um, do you and, feel
1: like a man can write a woman's character is just as as well? Or in general, a playwright can write anybody's character. You know what I mean? Like, because I was like, yeah, why not? That's that's your job. I think
0: you it? can. I think I think you can if you're willing to do the empathetic work to get into that person's headspace. Right. right. Yeah.
1: yeah. Right. Because yeah. I'm like, why? If you want to write, because it's always hard. I think in America, everyone's so sensitive. Like, if if I wrote a movie about a, you know, um, uh. uh an African-American growing up in the projects, be like, what the fuck are you thinking? Yeah. And I'm like, well, why Why not? I mean, if we can tap into the mutual, you know, the human condition right. and the circumstances are different, but I don't know. Am I being, I find that- I've-
0: This is a really interesting topic and it's very complicated. So there's a couple of strands of it. One is that- um uh for the to this, you know, still very le- maybe a tiny bit less so, but still very much so. Most of the people in decision making positions are white, most of them are male, right? right? So, Liz Moonvez, so, so that's well, yeah, so now there's one less, but but um, one less, <laughs>
1: one less. I'm sure he didn't know that when his mom named him less, yeah. yeah, he's fine, he'll be fine, he will God be fine, yeah, he'll, we're not worried about him. He'll
0: cry to sleep on his Good pile God. of hundred million dollars, <laughs> um, but uh, so. So there's two things there's a couple of things going on. One is uh, what stories are being told and the other is who's telling them. Right. So so you can have a shift towards let's have more stories uh, set in African American communities. Right. Let's have hey crazy rich agents made yeah. a lot of money. Let's let's have more stories set uh, in Asian communities, but that doesn't change the fact that the vast majority of the people directing, the vast majority of the people like in executive positions. Right, right. So so the, so um you there's these these two sort of strands advancing, you know, at the same time, which is like who's getting to make the decisions, who's getting to tell the stories and what stories are being told. So in in a vacuum, right, in a total vacuum, there's nothing wrong with any writer of any gender or ethnicity writing characters of yes. other genders or ethnicities. Right. But that doesn't turn out to actually be a sufficient answer because we don't live in a vacuum. Yeah. We live in an, in a in a world and in an industry where th- where there isn't some sort of egalitarian like right, balance right, among everybody to right. tell the story. So stories. you're like let like, the so,
1: African American write it
0: exactly. Okay, um, and uh, so so it's complicated. Um, uh, and and and, and uh, I think I think when people get upset when when writers like me who are straight white writers mm-hmm. get upset about oh well I'm not allowed to tell my story now or I'm not allowed to right. um the thing that they're missing is that like you you're still allowed to tell it there's now just going to be a conversation around it that might be a little bit uncomfortable for you. And you're going to have to withstand that. Yeah, You know, like, um, uh, so, uh, so I think it's all healthy. And I think, um, I think people are, are freaking out, but they're freaking out because, um, when you've been advantaged for so long, um, equality, Feels right like oppression to you or something. Like it feels un- like oh now I
1: mean, it's like affirmative action in a way, right? Um, Giving people a chance that have not had a chance above. You know, it's not not a meritocracy at this point
0: uh, in a way. Or is that I getting mean, touchy? If you well, if you look at the numbers, it's. I mean, there's we're still not even close. Of course, right? yeah. So I'm um, just thinking
1: on a pure, I get what you're saying. I think on a purely artistic level. I think um, – I get what you're saying. We People need to – people that haven't had a chance to tell their story should give, be given first dibs on – did you just cover up that stain on the table? I saw that. Do you want a tissue or something? Uh, okay. I
0: will, yeah, but it's I all right, was, Let it
1: just evaporate. Yeah. Crust over.
0: I just didn't want you to um – feel ashamed about your table no
1: i, I mean it's, it's I seen mean, a lot oh at... matt the engineer stepping in please <laughs> let's pause for a minute there we go yeah love that Look that at was also was very dabber. freudian
0: we're talking about this very sort of touchy and there's a subject. white stain on yeah. the table and, and i like, covering it up. i'm just gonna that is that <laughs> was a symbol
1: <laughs> of i'm what... just saying i think that um I get that people that have not had a chance and opportunity. It's like that same thing with the casting. Like, it should Scarlett Johansson be playing a, a transgender? You know, right. as opposed to the answer to
0: that one's no. Some of them are easy.
1: Yeah, okay, that's true. That, that's true enough. But it's like, who's the bit? Like, if you have a brilliant writer who happens to be a, a nebbishy Jewish, you know, a sure. nebbishy Jewish man. Sure, uh, I'm instance. not. I'm not. I'm not in, in front to you. But <laughs> um, if you could write, uh, let's say Moonlight, uh-huh. okay, which I thought was brilliant. Sure,
0: um, I couldn't write Moonlight. Okay,
1: though. but let's say you could. I don't know. But let's say you could have. let I
0: could have. Uh,
1: it would be, and to get that story out there, and right. you did it already, I yeah. get that it would be frustrating for people because like, why didn't the other guy do it? But it's also amazing to have amazing art. The out well, I there. think it,
0: I think yes, I think I think but I think when you're constructing hypotheticals like that, you end up in a sort of uh, you know the plural of anecdote is not evidence situation. No, seemed, I like where that like, one. The plural like of can, anecdote is not evidence. Yeah, you can always come up with like a hyper. What if right. what if a right, a white yeah. writer wrote a script as good as Moonlight? Right,
1: right. About, no, you're like, right. Well, you're okay, right. you're right. But
0: like that would almost never happen. No, that's
1: true. <laughs> but it's also but maybe because people are also afraid of. Uh, of venturing into topics that are not, you know what I mean? Or or identities that are not, there's like, you limit yourself going, well, I can only write what I know. Yeah. And I shouldn't write what I don't know. I'm like, if you do the research and you give enough respect, like documentary filmmakers, they can go, you can be a single white female and go document stuff in Niger and no one's going to be like, how dare you? Because you're documenting, right? You're doing research.
0: Well, again, like I think, I think there's, um, I think on the one hand, it's true. It's like a truism that um worrying about what you should and shouldn't do is sort of the enemy of art. Right? I, I think as, so. As an artist, you can't yes. worry like, is this the right thing to do? Will right. this offend people? Yes. But um equal to you have to balance that then. If you're gonna, if you're gonna lower the external bar right. as an artist and say to yourself, I can do whatever I want, which is great. That is the freedom mm-hmm. you should give yourself as an artist. You have to raise your internal bar um as much like to okay. counter that. Okay. And what I mean by that is, you then have to hold yourself to an incredibly high standard of like truth and authenticity and humanism. Yes. Right. Yes. So, um, and then you know, like in your heart of hearts, if you're doing right. that. Right. And you have to be open to being checked by people, to being told you actually haven't done that. Right. And this or that character is two dimensional or cardboard right. or a stereotype right. or gender. You're
1: exploited. And you can't yeah.
0: be, if you're going to give yourself the freedom to to do that, yeah. you have to then be open to um, to learn. You but know, do you believe, do, right. do you
1: believe that, um, that say ro- only write what you know?
0: I mean, I think, uh, I think yes, but I think it depends. I think what you know can mean all kinds A of things. Of stuff, right. I mean, obviously it means like, yes, I can write about my own childhood in my hometown and my, not own, not even autobiograph- fa- right. and my own family, okay. right. but, but I think, I think it, you can know all kinds of things. You, you know, yeah. you can know, yeah. you have to know what you're writing about, right? You right. have to know what kinds of sort of human truths you're, you're, you're delving into. So, um... So, yeah, I think, I mean, I think you obviously run into a dead end pretty quickly if people, if artists are only allowed to write characters who are exactly like limited. them, yeah. like ethnically. Like, well, the stories would just make no sense. Yes. I would write all stories about 40-year-old white right. Jewish guys from the Bay Area. Right, right, um, right, Which sounds awesome for, like, one story.
1: Well, more like a three-minute YouTube <laughs> exactly. video,
0: right? Um. Uh, so, obviously, that's sort of the ad absurdum, like, slippery slope yeah. that you can The can't, artist, ha- yes. So, I don't think that's what anybody's asking for. Same
1: thing with actors. Right, like you can't, an actor, like you said, like Dominic West should not be playing whatever, but no, he's an actor, so you have to Um, dive into that character, find their perspective, find the truth, find connect to it, right? If you connect to the characters in some way. Um now what was the first play you ever wrote? Do you remember that? I do. Were you like three? Like no. those people like I started with no. a video
0: camera when I was two months old. No, I didn't. I, I uh I started I, I was interested in writing when I was a kid, but I, I read like fantasy and science fiction novels. So that's like what Philip I think. K. Dick? So, uh, not as cool.
1: Okay. But yeah. He turned out to be quite an asshole, didn't he? An Anti-Semite sh- or some something pretty strong about Philip K. Dick.
0: Probably. That, um, name but, like that. <laughs> um No, more uh I was more into fantasy, more okay. like yeah, uh, and, uh, and so that's what I thought I would write. I didn't I didn't write my first play till like, the very end of high school.
1: Okay. where you went to high school in Berkeley? Yeah, I went to Berkeley High,
0: okay. where Philip K. Dick went to high school. No! God, I love when yeah. shit like that happens. Uh, Philip K. Dick and Ursula K. Le Guin were at Berkeley High School at the same time. I don't know time. who that is.
1: Can you enlighten me? She
0: is a female science fiction writer who died recently who was just a giant in the field. Ursula. Got, well, a name yeah. like that. She's, a, she's amazing. She, um... Uh, she has, just to take us off on a tangent, you can edit this out if oh, you want to. Oh, no, please, I keep it. But, um, so Ursula Le Guin, she wrote many wonderful things, but in particular, she wrote something everybody should read right now, I think, which is a short story called The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelas. And, and is she
1: British? Where is she
0: from? No, she went to Berkeley High. Oh, she, right, right, yeah. right, right. Hello. Yeah, she was. Um, Hello,
1: Ray Lynn, wake yeah, the fuck up. Yeah, okay. so
0: she, uh. Uh, so it's a, it's a story about a utopian city where everyone's happy and everything's great and everything's easy and wonderful and prosperous. But then when you turn 18, they tell you the secret of the town. And the secret of the town is that there's a dungeon under it where some like – nine-year-old child is like living oh, in rags Lord. and like suffering. And they just explain to you that like, yes, this town is prosperous and wonderful, but all of that depends on this child living in this oh, dungeon brilliant. suffering. And it's like, can you continue to live in the town knowing that? Right. And then some people are like, you know what? Like it's too bad for that child, but She's everything's pretty great right, here. Yeah. yeah. And then there are those who walk away once they know that. Wow. And it's just a great parable about
1: you mean we should just leave the United States?
0: Well, I, I mean, you can you decide what it's a parable right. about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not too hard in this day and age, isn't it? Um, That's amazing, Ursula Le Guin. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so 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 yeah. So I oh right. So I I read fantasy and sci fi, and then I got into theater later. And my first play I wrote senior year of high school, and it was about. um it was about me and my friends hanging out senior year of high school. Right, like, what you know. Yes. Right.
1: Were you just smoking weed? <laughs> yeah.
0: and uh, Shrooming. I, I, less than you would think as a yeah. Berkeley High student.
1: I'm, I am thinking a okay. lot of my
0: friends were, but um, but okay. I was more on. You the were like a good kid. Yeah. Ish. Pretty much.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So no psychedelics. No. Really? Yeah, no. Oh, interesting. I mean, day? I'm shrooming now. Oh, great. Yeah. That's why I fi- you find me so attractive. Yeah. <laughs> a little self-deprecating here in seeing, the morning. Yeah. Um, so that was your first play. And then you went to, where did you go to college?
0: I went to Yale.
1: You went to Yale. Okay, let's take down the pretentiousness alarm.
0: No, I was just thinking about a great joke that you can Please. do with your accent, which is um, <laughs> which is, I asked him where I went to school and he said, Yale. And I said, where did you go to oh, yeah, school? I was yeah. waiting. Yale. Yeah, it's a Yale. good
1: one. Just yell now. Um, so you went to Yale. For undergrad, uh, and yeah. The yeah. delightful town of fucking New Haven. New Haven,
0: Connecticut. Jesus It's Christ. come a long way. Has it, though? I go back there now and I it's went there really... once to
1: eat pizza. I almost slit my wrists, man. That, that place is just good.
0: dark. Oh, pizza's good.
1: Well, yeah, the pizza's good, but yeah. the, the town itself- So I
0: was there in the late 90s. and Okay. And it, it, um, it's fine. I mean, and and, uh, and now it's actually, uh, I feel like it has come a long way in the-, in the Eighteen years since 18 I was years. a student now, wait, there. No, wait. So you
1: studied playwriting at Yale? No,
0: I was a I was a humanities major, sort of broad Western civ survey major, and okay. uh, um, and I did theater as my main extracurricular actor.
1: And you act too?
0: I did. I liked acting. It yeah, was fun. Yeah, you'd be
1: good. You should put yourself in the affair. I'm not
0: British, though. so uh, I you're can't, right.
1: You're right. You can't be in anything taking place in Montauk. Training, you can't be in. Yeah. Oh, that would be fun if you wrote yourself in, wouldn't it? Just like a little that, cameo, like uh, a Hitchcock thing. That would
0: be great. Like a that walk would, on as a. That'd As be a busboy
1: or something in the diner, I don't know. Yeah, the lobster roll.
0: I could. I should. I could write a character tailored exactly to me. Yeah, look, like I'm that, me they, look in this. They couldn't ti- find anybody a, else. Hashtag at this time, <laughs> uh, only I can play this part.
1: Joshua Jackson. Yes, he is now dating some other chick from the show, right? I don't know. I thought. See, I look up and because I'm a, you know, he's he's great actor. He's
0: when good, someone's yeah. that
1: good looking, I, uh, you, you first of all, you question their acting, right? It's right. like you can say, okay, this guy's really hot. He can't act. He is fantastic.
0: Well, if I mean, if you look, even if you look back at, um, I don't know how old he was when he did Dawson's Creek. He was. I, what, I never s- watched that 17, show. Seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. He. Uh, he was good. He, he was good, and he oh, what he always had from the very beginning, even when he was inexperienced, was just a. Uh, uh, an incredibly likable, sort of raw, yeah. roguish charisma. Yeah,
1: yeah that's, um, that's well put. Yeah,
0: I mean, he's always had that. And I think he's gotten um, really skilled in, the, in just from working in the years since. And and in, and then in my episode in particular, like a lot was asked oh, of him. Oh man, the fainting, he,
1: I mean, the whole thing. He, boy,
0: did he deliver. I thought he really was terrific. How
1: many takes do they do for a scene like that? Were you on set? Do the, you I mean, watch this stuff?
0: Uh, sometimes you're on set. I was not on set for when they shot that, no. But, but for uh, the
1: other parts of your episode, you were on set.
0: Uh, uh, no, I wasn't on set. Oh. This episode, yeah, yeah. No, sometimes you are. I mean, because <laughs> because I was a freelancer, right? You're like, they, okay. I was, I was gone. I'd been gone yeah. for months, and yeah. Showtime okay. was like, wait, you want us to fly him back to so he can stand around and You're like, you know, there's no. like four other writers yeah. on set. they were like, you guys can cover. That's
1: it. really funny. Uh, um, so I don't
0: know how many takes they did, but he was great.
1: He's fantastic. Well, I I heard that he's dating some chick from the bonfire. Remember when they drugged him up? At the yes. bonfire, there's a blonde chick there. Uh, you know more than well, I they're, do. They're I guess they're banging out, but good for them, man. Good for them. I guess he likes blondes because he was dating the other Diane Kruger, who's now marrying that or had a baby with the other guy from the zombie show. Up, I don't watch you're, zombie you're, shows. That's you're all up I do at night. I, that's all I do. I Just masturbate. E. I read TMZ, and I'm up, <laughs> and then I watch good shows. That's my cultural. Right. Um, so okay, let's let's um. Let's kind of transition to sure. the other part of your life, right? Uh, the band's visit. Yeah. yeah, let's let's just yeah. Okay, I know I'm, you're not. You can't see this, but he's playing with the cup here. There's been more I'm spillage. Like knocking.
0: There was not more spillage. <laughs> the coffee cup is empty. Do you want more babka? No, I'm kidding. I thanks. brought
1: babka. You know, I I'm love obviously Trader Joe's. I'm like
0: high on caffeine and sugar and <laughs> <right> not
1: <laughs> You know, I think that we're so sensitive to cultural appropriation. You know I'm mean? like, yeah. I can't get cornrows in my hair because I'll probably be shot because it's like really annoying. But babka, uh-huh. like Trader Joe's is allowed to do fucking anything. We got Trader Joe's, right? They can do Italian food. Yeah. They can do any kind of ethnic food. And now they're kind of appropriating, sorry, babka. But it's really good.
0: Yeah, it's delicious. It's really
1: good. I just want to say that. Yeah. Um, the Band's Visit, for all of you that don't know, um, or for all the Arabs out there that uh, that boycott uh, Israeli uh, films, even though Israeli films, from my experience, are extremely left-wing and, and made by self-hating Israelis. I'm a, kind of a film buff, a cinephile. I've been to Cannes four times, by the way. They don't uh-huh. usually let me into the premieres because you're supposed to wear, like, gowns and heels, and uh-huh. I show up in sweatpants and flip. Well, they're very uptight. Have uh-huh. you been to Cannes? No. Oh, it's, it's a scene over there. Fucking yeah. French. Um, so there's a movie called The Band's Visit. Uh, with this amazing Israeli actress who passed away from cancer, Ronit Elkabetz, oh, yeah. and it's about an Egyptian uh, band in these wonderfully powdered blue suits that they get to the wrong town. They're mm-hmm. supposed to go to Petah Tikva yes. and end up in some other Tikva. Yes. In you know, Bet- a shithole, an armpit.
0: Bet Tikva, It's yes. a
1: Instead of going to like New York City, you end up in fucking Orlando, right? Yeah. Or even worse. <laughs> Right, like a suburb, like Sanford. If you guys know Orlando, it's like Sanford. It's like a swamp. Yeah. And then a love, little love story, but no action. There was no sexual intercourse in the movie, as I recall. No, there is,
0: actually. There was? Yeah. they he, she
1: fucks the, the guy? Yeah, yeah, at the end. Fuck, I got to watch it again. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, and so now, then, who came to you and said, you know what, let's make this a, a musical?
0: Um, My first contact about it was from... uh. Hal Prince's assistant. So Hal Prince is a legendary Broadway director and producer. Okay. And Hal was origi- – Is still alive? Yeah. Wow. And Hal was originally attached to direct the show. Um, uh, so being alive was helpful. And uh, <laughs> and he um, – and I got an, – and I, I had just worked on two other musicals and musicals are very difficult and I got – What were those? Uh, an original musical about reality TV called Nobody Loves You.
1: That sounds terrible. And, is that good?
0: I mean, it was amazing. Good enough. It was amazing. It was hilarious. You have to see it. Oh, boy. Uh, But okay. it's not being produced anywhere. Okay. Uh, but um, <laughs> but uh, And an adaptation of Jonathan Leatham's novel, The Fortress of Solitude. Uh, and they're very hard. Musicals are very, very hard. And so I was like, no more musicals. And then I got an email from Hal Prince's assistant saying, okay. come have this meeting. I was like, okay, well, you go to that meeting. You meet with Hal Prince. And he said, do you know this movie? And I knew of it. I'd never seen it. But right. he handed me a DVD. And he said, watch this movie, The Band's Visit, and see if you think there's a musical in it. And if you think uh, you could be the one. To adapt it. So so I did. I watched the movie and I thought the movie was great. And I also felt like I saw the stage show in it. I was like, I see why okay. you would want to do this. And I see – I think I see how to do it.
1: It's so challenging because it's so atmospheric. Yeah, you know so, what I
0: mean? Yes. I mean, uh, perversely, that's one of the reasons I, I thought it was a good idea. I think a lot of times people will see something very like earnest and chipper and upbeat and be like, this should be a musical. Right. And that's actually a terrible idea yeah. because musicals yeah. as a form are really earnest and upbeat. And if the mater- the source material also already feels like a musical, there's no tension, there's nothing oh, for it formally for it to pull against. It's to
1: justify people bust out in song,
0: right? Yeah, well, that you was... they think right. it's easy, but that's but actually you want musicals work better when the basic um like frame of the story is is pushes against that. Okay. Like Wizard of Oz is about a girl living on a boring farm in Kansas. Right, right. And then she goes to a magical yes, world where yes, it's a musical. Yes. Um so uh, anyway, so, so, uh, so they,
1: would that make a good musical on stage?
0: Uh, I mean sure, yeah. <laughs> I, I, no,
1: I'm just saying. No, I'm just trying to follow your train of thought. have they done it
0: on stage? I mean, there's the Wiz. Have they? Yeah, but uh, but you know, it's a but it and it's obviously a terrific movie musical. But
1: we just watched it yesterday, me and my son. Oh, wow! Actually, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Good.
0: I recently, last time I was in L.A., I stayed at the Culver Hotel, which is supposedly where all of the actors, everybody, OD'd? Well, no, oh. where all of the actors playing the Munchkins all stayed. Really? The, but yeah, people say the hotel. The room? Is I'm kidding. That's when... terrible.
1: The one room where they all stayed. That's just so wrong. <laughs> you know, but it's interesting because I, I think you say that about musicals. I agree, and yeah. I agree. To disagree, though, because I think The Band's Visit, unlike most musicals, looks lower budget because it's Spartan, which is actually good because if you're doing like an event, a road trip movie, it's hard to make it a fucking yes. captivating so, stage play. You so, know what I mean? So it
0: had so it had that, you know, I, I when I watched the movie, here are the things I thought. I, I thought a lot of this story t- is built on um, conversations between individuals in small rooms. So right. that, that you can right. do on stage. There's an organic reason for music to be in the show because it's about a band. Right. But also- um, it's about two groups of people who don't speak the same language and, and music is one of the things they connect over. Yeah. Yeah. So music is sort of a metaphor for, mm-hmm. for forms Bringing of, people for, for yeah, East. for forms of connection that transcend language, right. um, and culture it's, is endemic to the material. So, so I thought, okay, there's, this could be a musical. There's a great reason to make it a musical. Um, so that was how I got into it. And so Orrin Wolf, who was the, um,
1: Jew, Yes. Sorry, I'm just going to say that every time we mention someone. Okay.
0: (laughs) So, Oren, who's the person who got the rights from Iran Kohler and also a yes. Jew, the, the Israeli, Israeli who made the film, right. uh, Oren and Hal hired, uh, me and then, and David Yazbek to do the adaptation. Uh, and, uh, and we were off to the races.
1: Amazing. And so when you wrote it, uh, you collaborated with David yeah. Yazbek on the music yeah. and there was no music in the original film.
0: Yeah. I okay. mean, I didn't write the music. No, but no, I, I, yeah. I didn't.
1: You're not that brilliant. No, no. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, and it's, it had a kind of a, t- it just went very successful. It started at the Atlantic Theater, right? Yes, yes. Right. And then it moved to fucking Broadway. It did. And it's still um, there. And it's still there. And cause I feel like musicals at 99% tourists, right? Now to tourists go, where's the middle East and they don't come. Or do, have you found that tourists are actually gravitating towards this show, there's no star like army hammer isn't in it.
0: That's yet. Um, yeah, that's that, true. Cut that, to
1: him playing the freaking Egyptian band leader. i um, believe it.
0: We, uh, that's a good question. so, so, Yes. It, 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 it all may look, you know, sort of inevitable in retrospect or maybe even not. But it, it, it never felt that way while we were doing it. So, yeah. So we did this very small production at The Atlantic. And because of all the things you say, because it's not a recognizable title, because right. it's so idiosyncratic and it's such a niche story, Um, I think Oren and our other producers knew that we needed – to do an off-Broadway production that was well-reviewed in order to, to even it get right, it to Broadway. Right. So, so we were lucky enough to get the reviews we needed and we picked up a, 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 some off-Broadway awards. Uh, and it, I think it helped us that the run at The Atlantic was, you know, it extended but only by a couple of weeks and that's like a 199 seat theater. So a lot of people heard about this show and couldn't get in. So, which they were, I think, so you had,
1: okay, So which, okay. I think,
0: which I think helped us. So then we moved it um, and uh, I think – uh, I think there are different. I mean, again, as with you know, business discussions about the affair, the, the the conversations about what audiences are coming to see bands visit and how to roll into subsequent versions of audiences right, right. happens a little bit above my pay grade. Okay. But um, my my broad understanding is that there are phases to it. Like there there's audiences in New York and nearby that will come see new musicals if they hear they're good. Okay. You know, and and that you know will get you.
1: So yeah, far. Right.
0: And then at a certain point that audience runs out and you start needing other people to come in mm-hmm, and tourists mm-hmm. and, and and so on. And so so there was a point where um I think our audience started to wane and then the Tony nominations came out. Well the out.
1: Jews ran out.
0: Yeah. Well right? I don't know about that. But um, <laughs> they but, never run out. But uh but the um, the Tony nominations came out, okay. whatever that was in May, I guess, and
1: you got a shitload of Tony. Got a, nom-s. We
0: got a lot of nominations, so that that helped, and then we won a bunch of them Amazing. in June. Amazing, and so that I think is has has gave us like another a push, another boost, yeah. and also there were. I mean, it depends what you mean by stars. Like like Tony Shalhoub was in the show. That's true. For the first Monk. Year. Yeah. And, and you know he's not in terms of like Broadway box office. He might not be Nathan Lane or Hugh Jackman, right? right. But everybody actually knows Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, you're even right. if they think they don't. Yeah, uh, like, and oh, then, it's that guy. And then uh, our our female lead, Katrina Lenk, um certainly wasn't a star when we. You made opened. her a star, but well, I think it was a mutually beneficial r- relationship because right, right, right. Katrina's so good in the show; she's
1: really great. Um, her accent sounds French. I got to tell you, she <laughs> does. I'm like, what I'll the fuck? Her,
0: I'll pass it along. I'm just saying the Israeli accent and the French accent are actually pretty close. Well, pe- my mom know. has my mom has a heavy Israeli it's accent. It's the
1: hard R. Pe- r yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, in uh, Katrina's
0: defense, people have been asking my Israeli mother if she's French for my entire life.
1: Okay. Good. Um, okay. No, I thought she was fantastic. This is no this is she, no insulter. I think she does a f- spectacular. She, She's great. The uh,
0: the the show, the show <laughs> is uh like the role sort of fits her like a glove. She fits the role, whatever it is. That she and the role shaped right, each other. We, right, right. And so I think by now, yeah. she. I mean, she's our poster, right? She so channels like, Ronit. Yeah, she does
1: channel the main. Did she try and do that to kind of stay loyal I, to that? But she does have that. You know, I think
0: they have a lot of similar qualities. Uh, I know she's seen the movie and really admires that performance. Okay. I think she. I think she has said that she didn't watch it too much precisely for that reason because Ronita so, times, is
1: kidding. so
0: good right, that right. um that uh she knew she would be influenced so I think she sort of but I think they as it happens the role is you know as as conceived by Iran and adapted by us there are certain qualities that like that calls for and she has them so I think there's a lot of was it, was there any that.
1: pressure to cast an Israeli and an Arab actor and were you like oh fuck you.
0: Well Tony is Lebanese. Okay. So he is he is Arab. Okay. Um uh and then there was and then the, we didn't worry about it as much with um with Dina. Um I mean, Katrina isn't Israeli, right. but she sort of has, you know, sort of an Eastern European okay. vibe to her. Okay. She feels like she could be an Ash you know, Ashkenazi right. Jew, Jew, even though okay. she's not. Um so uh so we did concern ourselves with that um about casting the the band that we wanted people from the region or okay. of, of Middle Eastern or Arab descent. descent. We worried about it less uh, with the Israelis, although we have a bunch of you know Israeli you know native Israelis and Hebrew speakers in the show. Etai okay. Benson, who plays um, Poppy, and Jonathan Raviv, who plays Sammy and Sharon Sayeg. Like these are all people who okay. are,
1: are now. Does this Sharon do, who understudies Katrina?
0: Sharon and another actress named Madison McCucci actually uh, Italian? Sort of, sort of, yeah, oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And have and they gone on yet? They literally just this past week for the first time. So so everyone had, you know, been sick or had to take a break or right, vacation right, or right. this or that. Literally every actor in the show had had an understudy go on for them at least once. Except for Katrina, and then she and the fight- girls are
1: like, well, you fucking get yeah. sick already? And, and strep throat, um, bacterial, yeah, well, implant. God forbid. I'm kidding. I'm but, kidding. Um, God forbid.
0: But uh, but anyway, we, uh, finally, Katrina took a vacation last week. Both, so Madison heart. and Sharone um, they alternate. alternated, and both got to do Dina a bunch. And of And this times. is their first
1: time doing a lead on Broadway. Were they nervous yes, as fuck?
0: I'm sure they were. I haven't wow. spoken. To, I haven't had chances to talk to them since they did it. Yeah, but, that's um,
1: scary shit. Yeah. It's also hard act. To follow. It's
0: it's You know a what I lot. mean? It's like
1: being John Coltrane's son, Ravi. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? He's yes. a great sax player, but I'm like, dude, please, just there's you a, couldn't have chosen a different instrument. Um, it's you're really a glutton for punishment. No, you. I
0: heard it went really well and the audiences really liked it. No good. Uh, but it did remind me of a funny story that I heard you. So so there's a playwright named Bruce Norris, um, who uh who started out as an actor and was a very good actor by all accounts. So I only met him. Uh, later when he was mainly writing. But there's a story about him in an early uh gig understudying Matthew Broderick in okay. like uh
1: the producers?
0: No, no, way before that. In like the Beaver? early Neil Simon plays, like okay. the Loxy Blues. Right, Bro- right, or, right, or, so, you know, right. One of those and and uh uh this story might not even be true because I don't know if they even really did this, but uh, but uh, you know apparently this is when they would like announce over the PA like when an understudy was going right, on, right? Right. So he and that play begins with that character addressing oh, the audience oh, in right, a comes monologue out on stage. So, so the story is that over the loudspeaker, you know, somebody goes tonight the role ordinarily played by Matthew Broderick will oh, be played shit. by Bruce Norris, and then boos throughout boos. the audience oh. as the curtain comes up and he's <laughs> standing oh, there. Oh bless his heart. Yeah. So uh I heard it went much better than that when our understudies oh, good. went on. Well for that's Katrina hard. This
1: Audiences way. are fucking rough, man. Yeah. You know, they don't really care if the actor has feelings. There's a human on there. Did you yeah. see the Serena Williams? Naomi Osaka, the match? I didn't I didn't I see the that, match, that but, but I saw her.
0: some of the clips. Afterwards, I mean, this poor yeah. girl Naomi. You yeah. know what I
1: mean? Her big win and Serena's down there booing this girl Naomi. She's crying under her visor. Yeah, that was that, just like someone's a Someone's crying under their visor, you know. She you know what, <laughs> what I mean? Poor girl didn't smile once throughout the whole freaking ceremony yeah. serena's won this 67 times yes. Do you know what i mean like sure. give me a fucking break already yeah speaking of winning you won the fucking tony
0: i did i did um, win a Tony. Yeah. is tony
1: short for something it Was just like a mob it, it is like anthony's awards or something like it's how does that the,
0: the antoinette perry award
1: oh okay thank you yes. so it's actually a woman and they had to make her more masculine called uh, tony i guess so yeah they couldn't fucking call the antoinette because that would seem fluffy i don't know um you won it for playwright.
0: Uh, for Best Book. Best Book. Which is the talking parts of a musical. Yeah. Yes.
1: Th- well, thank you for that. Uh, no, you're right, actually. I don't mean to be <laughs> feisty for no reason. <laughs> now, did you... When you... Are you you seem like a confident person in general. You don't seem like the overly neurotic, self-deprecating, I don't know how I got this far in life. Like you seem like a confident, secure, like I'm good. I know why I'm here. I have
0: all of those feelings, but I guess I can I guess they they come out like in the dark of night.
1: Okay, but yeah. they're not over No, cuz some people that's that, you know what I mean? They're yeah. constantly in that like, I don't I feel like you. but you're not that guy. You seem like a nice boisterous.
0: You're also meeting me, you know, shortly after our my musical One that's 10 Tony. No, right. So yeah. so I yeah. my confidence is like uh, through the roof, yeah. apparently. The arrogance just sort you can of smell like, in the room. Yeah, inorganically, like pumped up and buoyed. Right, that's now, amazing. So,
1: yeah. so, so did you plan? Did you write a speech before?
0: I didn't write it, but I I, pr- I practiced it a couple times. Um, it was weird because you probably know this occasionally i mean it's not like in a movie where like every morning you like hold a shampoo bottle in your bathroom mirror and practice right. your tony speech or Emmy well, speech. i do but, but it's like, my own thing but occasionally like right. that kind of what yeah. would i say yeah. if i won this big yeah. award yeah. so the I, so actually in the month after the nominations actually being like oh i at least theoretically right. should prepare what i will say if i win a tony Amazing. was bizarre it was a bizarre feeling um in particular uh, it was complicated by the fact that uh, Tina Fey was also in the category, and everyone was what telling What did she write again? The blonde she, thing? She wrote Mean Girls. Okay. She, she wrote a terrific movie called Mean Girls, right. and then they adapted it into a lovely, of course they did. very funny musical. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, But anyway, uh, the, the conventional wisdom, I guess, for right. whatever that's worth, is that she was going to win. Um, and so I was, I was like, I have to practice the speech, but if I practiced it a ton and get really excited about the opportunity to give it, I'll probably just be disappointed. So I was in this weird in-between place where I was like, I better know what I would say while knowing that I'm probably not going to get to say it. So that was- Did
1: you thank your girlfriend? I was, I did. Okay. Cause that's, you know what I mean? I did, like, you, you didn't
0: know? watch the speech?
1: I don't, I don't have a TV at home. <laughs> <laughs> I watch everything on my computer, uh, like a ravioli size screen. That's I did. Kind of I mean, thing.
0: my girlfriend was there with me in the room. Yeah, you, so. she would
1: have been pissed if you hadn't thanked her. <laughs> did you thank Thank the Middle East for having problems there, thereby you know enabling this this that was, musical.
0: That was implied. Yes. It was I implied. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you guys for just being stuck, you know, for the last three thousand years in the same exact argument. Yeah. Um, do you feel, <laughs> or do you have any aspirations when you when you adapt something like this to bring to bridge people together, actually make an impact in socially, or oh, they're Arabs and Jews coming to see this play, like you know what I mean? Like, yeah,
0: I mean, I I think um, can
1: theater change the world is my question.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think that if you want to change the world, there are there aren't many slower ways to do it than writing theater. but <laughs> but, but, but um, I think that art and storytelling are really powerful mm-hmm. and sort of create a kind of,, um, like the moral uh, tapestry, like against which, Right, history unfolds, or something. So I, I did when I saw the movie, uh, think it was a lovely sort of sideways way into talking about this conflict because there isn't a lot of overt politics in the movie. It's just no. steeped in it, right. Because of the underlying it's situation. It's like
1: a cloud, but it's not. It's also exactly. Egypt,
0: yeah. You know, it right, Exactly. It's like it's not. There's it's, a peace treaty, yeah. yeah. There's been well, I mean, since yeah. the seventies, exactly. yeah. Exactly. So, um, so, so I did feel like look, if you know, taking on something like. It looks like a great bet now because it succeeded, right? But most musicals don't, and I knew this was going to be four or five years of my life, at best. Probably going to have a short run at a place mm-hmm. like the Atlantic mm-hmm. and then go away. So if you're going to invest that time, you, you'd better think that there's that you're saying something important that you're right. that you're trying. Right. You know, um, do you
1: think it helped that it was um it wasn't your standard uh th- you know musical theater music and it felt more exotic to people? I think was- so.
0: I think that um I think Yazbek, uh, who also is He's half brilliant who also is half Lebanese, incidentally. What's up with the
1: fucking Lebanese? They're taking over, man. People <laughs> worried about China, worrying about the fucking Lebanese. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, I think that he was able to write um, authentically Arab music um, in a way that, yeah, I certainly never been on Broadway before.
1: Yeah. So I think, yeah. yes, I
0: think that did. I mean, look, uh, musicals are are a really risky bet. People risk a lot of money and mostly they lose it. And so the impulse is to do something you think will be safe. This is guaranteed to succeed. But but really, if you look at what the sort of weird hit of every year is, it's something that in unexpected. Ad, yeah, it's something in advance you never would have. Let let me do the founding fathers with hip hop, you know, right. fun home, let me adapt this graphic novel about a guy who runs a funeral home getting hit by a truck is that and stuff. Yeah. I have no idea. It's okay. really good though. Okay. And so it's you know, it, it is always the thing that carves out its own space that that
1: It uh, does seem like theater especially in New York is like a club. It's hard to get for a new playwright to get something produced, right? You have I mean, to know somebody or be sleeping with somebody. <laughs>
0: my my memories are foggy. And vague. Um, I guess it is hard. Yeah. I mean, I I, when in terms of when I broke in. Yeah. um, It was probably in my mid late 20s. So whatever lessons I learned back then are 15 years out of date.
1: Did you get a master's in playwriting? I
0: did. After college, I went to NYU. Um, for the MFA in in dramatic Master writing, fine arts, yes, okay, in playwriting and screenwriting and TV writing. They Did teach you find that helpful? There. In some ways, I, I, or just
1: now you can teach because a lot of people get an MFA just so they can fucking teach, right? I
0: can teach. I don't know if you need. I mean, if, do I think, you teach? I do. I have. Okay. I like it. Okay. Um, uh, it was helpful. Um,
1: I know both of us are like burping up a storm. You can't hear this, but me and each them are just like just alternating.
0: It's, yeah. They're
1: classy, though. They're, they're not, like, aggressively burped. burps.
0: <laughs> uh, it was helpful. Um, it was helpful to be in New York for those couple of right, years and right, sort right. of be in grad school but also be sort of making inroads, like, in the city and meeting people. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned things about the craft. That was useful. I liked my sort of peer group of writers. Just psychologically, it's sort of like, I'm in the MFA program at NYU. I, I therefore, right. should take myself seriously. Yeah,
1: I mean, all you're that, making the effort, right? Like the acting training. Talk about playwright training. Yeah.
0: And I think at first— you know, maybe someone is a little bit more likely to actually read your script because you have this like stamp of approval from right, this right. place, but that will only get you so far. So I think it. Cra- I think that and a couple other things I did in New York, like I was an intern at New Dramatists when I first moved to what the city. What is New Dramatists? New Dramatists is a membership organization for playwrights. Okay. Uh, and I, it was my first job in New York was I interned there for like four or five months and, um, you know, I knew when I came out of college, I knew about like all the big famous playwrights right. and all the dead playwrights, but interning at New Dramatist introduced me to the generation of working playwrights immediately ahead of me. Okay. Okay. Um, and these were people at the back then, these were people like, uh, David Lindsay a bear and Nilo Cruz. And, um, what's the
1: guy with the little "Meet me too moment, Juno Diaz. Is he a playwright? No, he's a
0: novelist. He's a novelist. I'm, I'm proud okay. to say he is okay. not a playwright. Okay,
1: good. Um, <laughs>
0: he got cleared apparently, whatever. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but, uh. So, so yes, I mean, those things were helpful and, it, it, you know, at, at a certain point, you just have to put your scripts in people's hands. Yeah. And, and hope and they
1: read past page four.
0: Exactly. And, and as many hands as you can. And if I
1: give you my play, will you read it? Uh,
0: you, yeah. are, are you're not, yeah. you're not, this isn't you imitating me back then. This is you no, asking no, me No, no, I'm asking literally you yeah,
1: literally, will you read my play?
0: Uh, maybe someday.
1: Oh boy. That's little, <laughs> thanks for letting the, the new generation arise. <laughs> okay.
0: You're the new generation.
1: <laughs> All On right. the medium generation. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man!
0: Uh, I when I when I say when people ask me if I'll read their plays is eventually because it really does. It sometimes will take me a long time, right? But I don't feel bad because that's what happens when I give other people my plays. So it takes. Them oh, forever, great! So, so instead
1: of improving upon that,
0: I pay it backwards. That's exactly what I was going
1: <laughs> to fucking say. Yeah. Um. So what do you? I know people. I hate when people ask like, "What do you like better?" But do you prefer now, now that you're older and more tired, yeah. um, TV writing, where the money obviously is a million times fucking better than yeah. right plays. Not
0: a million times but yeah you can but add, go- add mean, a well zero. it is better yeah. though isn't yes. it I mean we oh, yeah. like
1: something at the Atlantic theater what are you making like four hundred bucks a week and in royalties I mean what what's the,
0: the- well the, the I think it's an Arthur Miller joke or at least attributed to him that you can't make a living in the theater. You can only make a killing right. um, well, but uh so so no the, there's no comparison. I mean the 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 amount of money that you make in television versus theater is is, is, is sick. It's, it's incomparable. But right. but um which do I like better? I honestly I like doing both. I think if someone said you have to pick one, mm-hmm. you're only allowed to right. to do one, I think I would pick theater because um of the total control yeah. and ownership that you have as a yeah. playwright. Yeah. Like as a playwright you own your play forever and you're just licensing it for individual oh, productions yes, I like and that. and right. no one just a control thing. Yeah, and and no one can you can change whatever you want and no one can make you change anything. Um uh,
1: what producers can't make you change something
0: when there's a commercial. They can, actually they can't. Right. They, they well, can like if
1: you want to get it produced. They you can, might yeah. Consider. Exactly.
0: I mean, if you're and if you're already in a production situation and the producers are yelling at you to make changes, like you actually don't have to oh, listen. I like that. Um, uh, hopefully, your relationship with them is healthier, and they right. will make you know few right. suggestions and 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 limit themselves to good ones. But um, but I like doing both because. Uh, uh, you know, television, it's not just it's not just about the money. It's it's um you're reaching so many more people. So Right, right, um, right. Even with staffing, like I've never had the opportunity to create my own show, but even staffing can be really fun, like being part of a team. Yeah, of course, it's not, not really having, lonely. Yeah, not having all the pressure quite on your shoulders. Do you have a couple of stuff you've to, written that
1: you're trying to sell now? As yeah, I've written some
0: pilots and okay. developing some things. And is
1: that happening? Did someone pick something up to develop with you? Especially uh, I mean, from
0: the Tony? Oh, thing? sure. Yeah, you okay. know, everything's always being developed. Right, but
1: that's true. No, but yeah. I'm saying someone paying you, saying you know what, each <laughs> tomorrow you won the Tony. Um, now you give us some some street cred. You know what I mean? Because uh-huh. you're like a superstar of the theater, even though you've been doing it for 20 years. Now they know who you are. Right, you yeah. oh, won the Tony. Um, does that help you? do you think in the room in LA and
0: I I think maybe in some general abstract sense, it's hard to, it's hard to track specifically because no one's craven enough to be like, I wasn't interested in this before, but But now now. that you want a Tony, I suddenly think this is a good idea. Um, I'm sure I think it's opening a, a, a few but, you know, development is it's really hard. Uh, it's it's given me trying to develop my own show has given me an enormous appreciation and respect for anyone who gets any show on the air.
1: It's, it's insane.
0: It's so hard and it's involves so much luck and you have to like run such a gauntlet of ways that it can get fucked up.
1: Well, I think what's frustrating for me and you don't have to, I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it isn't a meritocracy, right? I mean, look, it's taste, it's subjective, (laughs) but I see something, I don't know if I should name the playwright Tracy Litz, but (laughs) I just saw the the Mary Page Marlowe when I I was in New York and I've seen his other stuff. I think he's a brilliant actor and a great writer. But this felt like a first draft of something that at this point when you're that famous, you can fart something out and someone's going to produce it. You know what I mean? I'm like, you can do better, Tracy. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like you have this epic thing like August Osage County and then you have this thing like, OK, but I'm, that's just my feeling. I don't I don't mean to bad mouth. I'm sure he's a lovely person. And I like his wife. I was didn't
0: a- see that play. Okay. And so I can't okay. speak okay. to that. I do think he's a great writer. Um, I love August Osage He also August seems Osage like a nice County. person. I don't really. I've met him. I think he is nice. Yeah. You know. Um, so I don't know. I, I some stuff
1: gets. My point is, some stuff gets produced by people, or if they have stars in it on theater, and you're like, really?
0: Well, of course.
1: And that's frustrating to me as an audience member. But a lot of people eat that shit up. I'm it just is more critical. I have more of a critical. You know, I'm a, I'm a snob. I'm not a snob, but I'm yeah, saying. I mean, like people eat anything up. Oh, is there a superstar in it? Nicole Kidman's getting naked. Great. You know what
0: well, I mean? that, yeah, I, uh, I think that's another example. And again, I didn't see that play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure I would have liked it way more than you did, but, um, but, uh, I don't
1: know why, why would you say
0: that? I don't know. Cause I like his work. I think he's great. But, uh, but, uh, and I liked a lot of the actors why didn't I see it actually? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I
1: liked it, but I'm I was saying, probably out of town. I feel like some scenes I'm like, you know what? Okay. You could have worked, reworked that. That's all I'm saying. That's but all I I'm do saying. think,
0: I do think that happens obviously, like people get cachet and then, uh, it, you know, again, it's a question of the external bar being lowered, and are you able to raise the internal bar enough to match it? It's that's, another, that's a
1: really you know keeping your artistic integrity is amazing. Like how
0: do you, that? But my guess is if you ask Tracy Letts, he wouldn't be like, "Oh yeah, I knew that play was no good," but I, I'm sure he
1: I didn't thought say, it was a good. No, I want to correct myself here because in case Tracy <laughs> wants to come on the show, I want to make sure I'm diplomatic. Uh-huh. Here. Think, no, no, but honestly, I, yeah, no, I just good feel like, job. Yeah, well, <laughs> too late for that. No, but I'm just no, but I think I'm just saying like. Some things I see that feel like the first draft of that scene. That's all I'm saying. Sure. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Like, rework it. A little bit, make it improve. I know you can improve. I know you're smart enough to improve. And another, that's all I'm saying. But
0: another thing that's going on is like these these theaters aren't responding to nothing. They're responding to market forces, that's, right? It's
1: like Netflix, right? Yeah. all day to day to day. So like data.
0: the only people who could, to the extent that this, you know, this is a phenomenon that could be like pushed against. The only people who can do that are audiences, and the way they can do it is by not buying tickets, right?
1: And why would they not buy tickets? exactly
0: because they're buying tickets is is to to yes. things that have you know Nicole Kidman in a bathtub is, is why that? people do that? I do remember that. Do
1: you do you read your reviews?
0: Um, I tend not to, sometimes I can look at them much later and actually, right when the show opens, which is when they come out, you're so exhausted and emotionally raw and sensitive and you tried so hard to make every aspect of it good that you can't read the reviews. You'll, you'll, you know, you'll read a review the day after something opens and be like, I want to murder someone. This is the, and you read the <laughs> same review eight months later, and you'd be like, "Oh, this is actually pretty thoughtful, and right. the criticisms aren't that bad." Right. But you're so hyped for hypersensitive the moment the show opens, you just shouldn't. Do you look think
1: critics thing. are um, helpful or or hurtful to art?
0: I think they're helpful. I think that. Um, Look, I mean, this or that – you can argue about this or that individual critic and say, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. You can argue about the um, the uh, sort of disproportionate power of, say, the times. But I think on balance, more people writing about the art form is better. I think it's really scary and bad that critics keep losing their jobs. I think the fewer people writing about theater there are, the worse it is. And then even with the times, I think you can argue that the times being – powerful and being able to influence yeah. people and get them to see plays is mo- is way more good than it is bad okay um I think on a case-by-case basis you can um you can get on a run where there's like a powerful critic who doesn't like your work specifically, and then you feel like you're unjustly fucked for years. Um, Especially
1: when they get snarky. Yeah. Right? Sometimes the reviews are snarky or they miss the point. You're like, how could can- you just one person?
0: But that's a different, but that, but, and that might be true. Right. But that's a difference s- that it, you, it's not a leap from there to like, to critics are bad. Actually, most of the critics that I know and that have written about me, I think are really um, smart, thoughtful people who do a, a job that people, Often hate them for right and like why would they you know what I mean they, yeah, they care yeah, about the art form you're
1: like a meter maid yeah so Nobody for the so you. for the
0: most part I think they're 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 great um, and there should be more of them is there like um, a
1: Rotten Tomatoes for theater <laughs> there, no because I think it's brilliant for movies because you have all these other websites and people can get a, an aggregate
0: there was there actually was a really good. Website called, I think it was called like the Criticometer or something that was Critico- a Criticometer.
1: Yeah, Criticometer. The so, yeah. no correct
0: pronunciation. Uh, and then it got like bought by somebody. It was run really well and it was kind of cool. And then it was bought by somebody else. Like Viacom. Yeah, who like, who like sort of destroyed it. Uh-oh. And yeah, there's some sad story there that I don't know all the details. <laughs> it was not of. that sad, but, I'm but um, but so, so the answer is not really. There's nothing quite like Rotten Tomatoes. I wish if theater. the Times
1: had so much power and they do, maybe they should have two critics per show. You know what I mean? You no, know, they you used publish- to do that. Oh, really? That makes sense. Cause then you have two different opinions. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. They agree on one thing. They don't agree on the other. I try to read reviews after I see the show. Yeah. Um, unless something's really panned, but I think seeing really bad theaters fun too. Sometimes if the tickets weren't three hundred fucking dollars, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? If I could get a freebie for a bad play or they paper the house. Um, but yeah, you got looked at me really serious. Like I feel like I was saying something really profound. You're no, 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 really no. I'm serious. just think- I'm just
0: thinking about this because it, okay. because because every couple of weeks uh, now we're hearing about a theater critic. You know, the village voice just killed? well. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. No. the village voice just clo- I know just that's disappeared. sad. Disappeared, so that's, that's sad. But um, you know, so what does that mean about what's going to happen to the Obies? I mean, all of this is, I think. Oh, were
1: they the Obie? They were, yeah, the overseer. Yeah. Oh wow, they, that's yeah. an off-Broadway award, right? Yeah. What's the difference between that and the uh, the Drama Desk?
0: Um, it's a that's a different off Broadway oh, award. Okay, just, just another off Broadway award. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Okay, so i just I was just feeling sad about these these. Uh,
1: well, the death of I every mean, nostalgia. Anybody over 35, you know, is constantly sad over the yeah. the death of. So and the many fewer
0: things. critics there are, the the more, the more the remaining critics sort of the more influence the remaining. Critics have, which is bad because any individual human is going to have whatever biases and idiosyncrasies right, that they right, have, right. and those will be blown up. It's like having, you know, a terrible person being president, like so much oh, I, know. I wonder what that's like. <laughs>
1: I can't wrap my head around that one. Um I think it's interesting, though. I don't know how I feel about, uh, uh, you know, this kind of the online, everybody can be an authority. Yeah. Right? That's the scary part, but also a good thing. But p- most people, if everybody had integrity, it wouldn't be an issue. But a lot of people just want to diss. You know, maybe mm-hmm. maybe I'm an actress who didn't get the role. Maybe Katrina Leck beat me out for the lead. Was that you putting it those anonymous me. comments? And and then I suddenly post <laughs> this scathing review uh-huh. on whatever, theaterbuff.com. Gov, yeah, you know what I mean, and then like, oh, who is this per? You know, because you can be anybody. So yeah. there's no. I wish there. You want it to be uh overseen and kind of guided, but that I guess that's that defeats. Then we're not China,
0: right? Yeah, no, I think I, I'm not too worried about that. I think it would take like I think a lot know, of
1: act- bitter actresses. Yes, I
0: think if I think if Russia decided to like launch. Uh, disinformation campaign. About the band's visit. Employing hundreds of people to constantly yes. blog and tweet. And then you'll you know, close, terrible lies right. about our show, we'd be in trouble. Right. But if it's just like one or two people snarking in blog comments, I they should be I think it would be good to for to your show
1: if Russia was that invested, that <laughs> yeah. they're actually sabotaging the yeah. production. What yeah. is your, so you're writing season five. What is up next for you play-wise? Are you writing a new play?
0: I do. I have a new play. Now I've done, I did three musicals in a row, so I haven't actually um, premiered a new non-musical play in like seven years, okay. And my new one is going to premiere oh, um, at Denver Center Theater okay. in February. And where's that in Boulder? No, oh, it's, it's in Dan- Denver.
1: God, Ray Lynn, wake the fuck up! <laughs> On, you have some vodka <laughs> and a chai, and you
0: just had coffee. I know. Yeah, well, it was a chai.
1: It wasn't a dirty chai. It was a chai. Yeah. So Denver that, Center. What's it, what's it called? What's it called? I know. Your, yeah, probably. My frontal <laughs> cortex called, is now. You know.
0: It's called uh, the Whistleblower
1: okay yeah and tell me gimme the log line
0: sure so it's it, it, it's about. Uh, uh, well, this returns to the question of writing of writing what you know. So right. it's about <laughs> a writer. It's about it. The first scene is a writer pitching an idea for a TV show. Okay. And uh, the idea for the TV show is basically about someone who goes undercover in companies and prisons and hospitals and and ferrets out whatever corruption is happening there and blows the whistle on them. And then he leaves and through moves WikiLeaks
1: on. or something. Sure. Okay.
0: And uh, and the TV show doesn't exist, so I don't have to really figure that. Out. Oh, that's true. But um, uh, uh, and so he's the whistleblower, and he's and he's in this first scene, he succeeds, and the producer he's pitching to says, "That's great, I, let's do this TV show." And instead of being happy, the writer sort of has a nervous breakdown, and um, leave and just walks out of the meeting. And the rest of the play is him sort of figuratively being the whistleblower in his actual life, and sort of going to all the different people in his life and just like speaking the. The unspoken truth lurking right. underneath that relationship that is, you I know. I love that. Yeah. And then he sort of blows up one aspect of his life after another. And, and Well, that sounds
1: like a movie to Seuss. me. What would make you make that a play and not a movie? What is the deciding factor in trying to make um, that an f- indie feature?
0: I guess it could be an indie feature. I mean, it came to me as a series of scenes. You Okay. Know, you know, it's a series of uh, seven, 10, or 12-minute scenes mm-hmm. where he goes, you know, to one person after another. Um I just I mean, I think you could probably do it as an indie feature, but uh, but it 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 came to me as a play. The other thing is that is that um movies there movies are in a weird place right now where it's really hard to get something made unless it's you know a hundred million dollar superhero movie. Right, right. Or cost nothing and you make, it, and you make it yourself, right, right? Right. Um and so that uh the whole middle range of movies is kind of it'll come back because everything goes in cycles, but right now it kind of doesn't you exist. Really or, believe, okay. or it's been taken over by television.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. We can make it a, a limited Netflix series. So
0: I'm pretty sure that if I tried to pitch this as a movie, I would just be told no one's making movies like this right now. Okay. But but um, you know, it came to me as a play and I wrote it as a play, and hopefully it'll have a life. And then maybe someone will be like, This Let's should be a movie, a movie and Bye. I will have already written it. And there's like a, I'm done buy, There's actually out. A, there's a story about David Mammoth when they were making the movie of um American Buffalo then <laughs> somebody said uh, well do you want to adapt it and he said I'll fucking adapt it for you right now and he <laughs> crossed out a play by David Mamet and he wrote, wrote a, a screenplay by David Mamet That's and handed brilliant. it back
1: he's an arrogant fuck I love him I mean he's a, I heard him on on what the fuck uh-huh. Mark Maron's thing he's yeah. out out of control what do you think is the difference between a play in terms of, is the play where the dialogue moves the story forward in a movie where like what do you know what I mean is there an essential di- can you crystallize the, the difference or no
0: I think there's a lot of I think I think more than being two entirely different things they're two like it's like a Venn diagram they're two things okay. that partly overlap but yes I think you re, the the primary motor of a play has to be um, in the in dialogue or at least in behavior Right. it doesn't have to literally be talking but it has to be like psychologically motivated behavior where you understand what the person is doing um and then uh in in movies you have all of these visual storytelling tools right. you you can direct the audience's attention to like a tiny object on the table you can hold on somebody's face and and read their emotions in a right. close up um so you know it's they're just they're it, they're both dramatic storytelling forms, and so they follow, like, the rules of how we follow, a, a, a like, a, a piece of dramatic storytelling, but there's just a different toolkit. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm
1: thinking about that because when I see a play, um, you don't have to have as much action, right? Mm-hmm. You can have the conversations and the psychological ramifications of these conversations yeah. and the emotional journey, um, but I feel like in a movie um, – it's, I don't know I'm trying to just work this out with you as we speak yeah. but in a movie you you do feel like you need action to move the story forward uh you can have one scene of dialogue but then something needs to ha- something bigger needs to happen
0: here's another way of saying it um i think that dr- scripted forms plays and movies are much closer to music than they are to something like a novel right okay. um but the way but the music of theater and the music of movies is very different the music of a play um, has to do with the the dialogue, the rhythm of the dialogue and the flow of of the dialogue. And the music of uh, film uh, has more to do with how it's edited. Uh, the the rhythm of like the cuts and the sequences. Right, and the, right.
1: Nothing plays out yeah. in real and time. And I mean this, and
0: I mean the music of it. And they both can have literal music. You could have a musical or have incidental music right, in your right. play. Or you could have a score for your movie. But I don't mean that. I mean, there's a level on which both are musical that is... Um, that is uh, like sort of in the bones of the, of the form. I don't know if you saw the movie Baby Driver.
1: I did see Baby Driver. So Baby Driver
0: is is an example of a movie that pushes that to, uh, to the farthest possible extreme where the score of the movie uh, is, like a music video. T- is tied to, right, exactly right. to the, to the editing of the movie. Um, so that's sort of a, an example that points up, I guess what I'm I think
1: about. one thing I, I like, uh, I like about movies is the voyeuristic, right? Like, mm-hmm. I can really feel solitude in a movie. Like, if I see someone sitting alone in, in an apartment or an old age home, do you know what I mean? I kind of really feel what it's like yeah. to be in that situation. I'm yeah. like, oh, wow. And with theater, because I'm with other people, and I know that person's really not alone. Right. You know what I mean? I can't feel that scene. It's hard to depict solitude. Yeah, uh, in that way, or depression in there's a, a way. way.
0: Yeah, there's a way that in a movie where That the was really
1: ca- profound thought, wasn't it? I agree. I say, yeah, that's pretty big. What I just said, right th- now, write that down, folks.
0: When, when, a, when the camera picks somebody up in a movie, and and we feel like we're with them, and it, we're in their POV, we feel like we are them. Yeah, yeah. and right. I think in a, in in because because. You know, you're looking – in a theater, you're looking at the proscenium, you're right. looking at the whole stage. Yeah, you're looking yeah. At, um, we, I think we do tend to identify with the protagonist, but it might be in a slightly different right. way. Well, it it's a be.
1: communal experience. And film for me is not a communal experience. Film no. for me is a very individual experience. That's why you can watch it at home. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, And it feels like it's existing outside of your experience of it. Yeah. Like when you turn it off, you keep thinking about it. When theater – I I mean, sometimes when I see a movie, a movie, a moment will relive in my in my heart for a long time. Mm -hmm. But in theater, I I don't, I experience it in the moment. But I don't think anything particular. I don't know. Emotionally, I don't think it usually stays with me after. Is that? I don't know. Is that true? I remember years ago, I saw uh, Death of a Salesman yeah. with uh, Brian Dennehy, Sure. Who I think started acting when he was like 80,
0: uh-huh. right?
1: He started late. And there's that <laughs> moment when she's the, the the wife is yelling at the grave or whatever, uh-huh. that stayed with me for days. That's a great play. It was a great play. It was a great, you know, that's why they keep doing these classics, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't, you know, something... Um, uh, something ex- that you're excited about, like people should see besides your work. Obviously, go see bands visit. When's it going to close? It's still open.
0: Uh, it, the run is theoretically open. Open ended. Okay, so go see bands visit day. and
1: bring friends that don't know anything about the Middle East, so we can you know expand people's knowledge. Yes. Uh, is the soundtrack available on iTunes?
0: It, it is. Uh, there is a soundtrack available. All the okay. songs. Um, can you buy just it's a good the book? recording? You can. You can buy. Uh, TCG has published the script.
1: Where do you get more royalties? Should I tell people to buy the book or the <laughs> CD?
0: I pro. I guess I get more. Royalties from the book, Okay,
1: so buy the uh, book,
0: but really go see the show. Okay, I get but the if most don't royalties live in from New York, you buying a it to the tour? show. Is it going to go tour? Is it going to go to like
1: Milwaukee and Madison?
0: Uh, there, there is. I don't know if it's going to go specifically to Milwaukee and Madison, although probably one of them, there is okay. a tour. It starts, uh, next, I'm going to say like next June, I think, okay. maybe next late spring, early summer, 2019. It's going to start in Providence, Rhode Island.
1: Okay. Uh, and Sad it will, place. and it
0: will work, it will work <laughs> its way, uh, from East to West. So, so okay. spring 2019, summer 2019, look for it in in Providence, <laughs> uh, and then sometime thereafter,
1: sometime in the next gradually years, moving down the east coast. Berkeley.
0: Yeah, I think it's supposed to be in San Francisco uh, about a year later.
1: Well, you know that so. your folks and their friends are going to go see it in San Francisco, right? Oh yeah, like, yeah. Come yeah. see my son's play. Exactly.
0: Right. Is that you don't sound you don't sound French enough, to uh, be my mom.
1: Right, you're right. Well, there's no R's in that one. <laughs> um, that's amazing. Well, Itamar, I was so great talking to Thank you. you for having me. I hope me. I shared my, you know, my love for the theater and your work.
0: Uh huh. Well, you shared through. your love for some of the theater and your intense. Right. Dislike and I apologize, Tracy
1: Letts. I love you. Please come on the show. Uh-huh. I didn't mean what I said. Kind <laughs> yeah, of. Before. He's not coming. You're right. Um, <laughs> bands visit, and then if you're in Denver or Boulder for the fuck of it, go down to Denver. Yeah, and close. see a Denver Center. It's called the Whistleblower. Yeah. February. And that op- February. That's soon where it's fucking freezing though. Couldn't they open it a little more festive? time? I
0: asked them, but yeah, no. they don't give a
1: shit about you. <laughs> and the affair when is the next season premiere? And will uh, Allison be? Are they going to be flashbacks to Allison so uh, we can know a little bit what really happened?
0: Uh, 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 no comments. I will. I will. Okay. But um, yes. Uh, but uh, I don't know when the next season premieres. Probably next summer. Can yeah. you,
1: uh, just before we sign off, you're probably going to say no, but can you tell me why she wanted to leave the show?
0: I don't know. I, she don't, really didn't share. Is she not
1: friends with you? Do you guys I not don't. like Snapchat or what?
0: Uh, me me, and, and, Ruth? and Ruth Wilson? Yeah. I've never met Ruth You've Wilson. You've never
1: met her? You can't can, meet the, the hot, what's the point of doing a show if you can't meet the hot people on the keep show? Keep in mind
0: that, as I said, I wrote one episode of the show okay, last year. It was an episode in which name. she did not appear were and, were and, like, for which, and, and, and for you which died. and for which I was not on set.
1: Okay. I thought <laughs> you knew everybody, but okay. Okay. I only
0: know some of them. Then you'll
1: have to just keep trolling the gossip side to find out more sure. about that. so are very
0: reliable gossip sites. Well, they usually are. Uh, <laughs> sure. The Affair,
1: season five coming up uh, where Dominic West um, gets married yet again and has another child.
0: Sure, sure And maybe. Joshua Jackson <laughs>
1: opens a, uh, an Applebee's. Uh, None
0: of this is true. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but I love you so much and I Aww. wish you uh, all the luck in the world. And, um, and yeah, that's it. Please come back when, you know, you have something else festive to tell I will, tell thank me. you. This was really fun. Okay, good. This is Raylan <laughs> Casper-White signing off.